Stealth Boom Boom, a fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones. On every episode, we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and we discuss whether said game, stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colm O'Hearn and joining me on this episode is a man I definitely saw driving his knife into blue in Med Bay. It's Adam Carroll. Good evening. And don't believe a word this man says. He's an absolute liar and I definitely saw him jump into a vent in electrical. It's Josh Wise. <laughs> Hello. No, everything I just said would have probably been gobbledygook to me a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, I'm in the know now after playing the game, the most recent Stealth Boom Boom game. But before we discuss all of that any further, we need to get into the right headspace and take a look at the time period that today's game came out. So, lads, without any further ado... Tonight, we're going to party like it's June 15th, 2018. Yes, not that long ago. Uh, just five, five-ish years ago, just over five years. And, uh, yeah, what we're going to do is talk about what was happening around in and around this date... And on the following day, June 16th, during France's 2-1 victory of Australia at the World Cup, VAR would be used for the very first time. It was a a fun five years after that, while people discussed the merits of video referees in football. (laughs) So that's something to look forward to back in June 2018. Uh, We would also have an exciting five years of wondering whether the world would remain intact after the first meeting between one Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un on the 12th of June. (laughs) And on the 15th of June... Elizabeth Holmes, founder of Theranos, <gasps> oh God, yeah. was charged with fraud over the company's blood tests. And after that, about a uh, was it last year, there was a an Amanda Seyfried miniseries called The Dropout. Yeah, I really want to watch. I haven't seen it yet, but I really like her, and it looks cool. Mad story in music. <laughs> I mean, it's very rare that like both songs. I'm like, what? What is this? It makes me feel very old. But <laughs> in music. In America, topping the charts was Post Malone featuring Ty Dolla Sign with a song called Psycho. Oh, wow. And I listened to it before we started recording. Genuinely never heard it in my life. Post Malone makes me a little bit cross. So I, we, we stay away from each other. Post, Post Malone doesn't bother me. I don't bother Post Malone. And we're both happier that way. Oh, why? It's just, it's the, it's the general, the music he makes. Just, no, no. Then in the UK at number one was Jess Glynn with a song called I'll Be There. Again, I had never heard of it, listened to it, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I've heard of this song before. Oh, well, 2018, we hardly knew ye. Yes, indeed. Although, I think I know know the movie. I think I know the movie. Oh, go go on, guess. Well, what is it? Is it Incredibles 2? Well done, Josh Wise. Yeah, uh, in 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 movies, topping the box office in America specifically was The Incredibles 2. It had just debuted as well, actually. Yeah, I don't know why. Mo- movies in the years just stick in my head for some reason. And I knew it was like the middle of the year as well. So I sort of thought, oh, good chance it's that. Can you tell me what the number one film was in the UK? Because it wasn't The Incredibles. Oh, uh, <clears throat> was it? It wasn't like Black Panther? No. No, in the UK it was... 
Jurassic World Fallen oh, Kingdom. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a pile of shite. I don't know how, but I have stayed away from every single Jurassic World film. There's been three now, hasn't there? Mm, last one was supposed to be awful. You're not missing much. So that's what was happening in and around the world on the 15th of June. So now it is time to chat about the game that we're going to be discussing today in a segment we like to call Back of the Box. So yes, this is where we delve deep into uh, into what the game we're discussing today is, I guess, and the people behind the game. And for those eagle-eyed listeners who looked at the name of the episode before you pressed play, uh, you will know that we are talking Among Us today which uh, people pronounce it in many different ways. It became, I think, um, there was a meme where it was like, Among Us. Among Us. We'll talk about how we're old men and stuff like that uh, (laughs) later on. But yes, it is Among Space Us. Uh, What is it, though, for those of you who have been under a rock? So Among Us is a 2D online multiplayer game where you must kill your loved ones without being seen. Often. That's often what it is. And if you are in that role, you must convince your loved ones that you're not the one that's killing them. Or you're just doing jobs. You're just doing jobs around a spaceship. That's basically among us. This one is available on pretty much everything now. It originally came out on iOS and Android on the 15th of June, 2018. Then a couple of months later, on the 16th of November, it came to PC then Big Gap, 15th of December 2020, it came to Switch. And uh, the day previously, on the 14th, or sorry, the day previously, but plus 12 months, 14th of December 2021, it came to PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S and all that. And this one does have a physical box. So I am able to tell you this week what is on the back of the retail box itself. And I think I'm looking at a... Uh, yeah, because there's an ESRB rating here. So I think this is a, an American Switch copy. And mm. it's quite, it, it is fairly matter of fact. Uh, up at the top here, it says, Join your crewmates in a hit multiplayer game of teamwork and betrayal in space. <laughs> Prepare for departure, but beware the imposter. Play online with four to 15 players as you attempt to hold your spaceship together and survive. But beware, one or more random players among the crew are imposters, bent on sabotaging and killing everyone. And there's a couple of screenshots here of uh, what the game looks like as well. Uh, none hmm. of which actually, I suppose, show the game. There's like an emergency meeting, there's there's a task, and there's this splash screen of, you know, what you see at the start where you get the, and there's a crewmate and there are, you know, three imposters among us. Yeah. yeah. What did the uh, ESRB give it? But it's got to be T for teen, right? 10 plus, it says. Oh. Now buckle up, because this is usually the part where I give you a synopsis of the story. And I know I have in recent weeks said, look, I'm going to try and condense these a little bit, but... You know, the, the, the story of Among Us, it does need to be told. So, <laughs> whew, okay. There's an imposter among us. And that's it, basically, really. To, like, to go in any more in depth feels like I'd be stepping on the toes yeah. of the bit where I explain the gameplay. So, yeah, that's pretty much the story. What is a bit more involved, I guess, is the part where I'm going to tell you about the developer and the publisher, because the developer and the publisher is the same company, and that is Inner Sloth. And typically, in these sections, I go up to the launch of the game, because otherwise, at what point do you stop? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Among Us is a weird one. So in this bit, and in the marketing and press coverage bit, 
it feels weird not to mention what happened in the two years after the game launched. Mm, so mm. because this is unlike any game we've covered on the podcast, I am going to break the rules a little bit and I'm going to give you the story of Among Us's developer Inner Sloth up until the launch of the game and a little bit past it because mm. it would be weird to just go and then the game came out and nobody <laughs> cared. <laughs> so rewinding a little bit, firstly, going back to 2007... There was a guy in his late teens called Marcus Bromander and they were making animated shorts and flash games on the website Newgrounds. And for those that don't know, Newgrounds was this haven for internet animators and artists and developers cutting their teeth in the 2000s and kind of into the 2010s. So on Newgrounds, you could make a flash game or an animation and then you upload it onto your own page and then people can look at it and play it or whatever it is. Sort of like a specialised social network, I suppose. So Bromander, uh, this budding designer and artist, met a fellow artist named Amy Liu in secondary school and then a programmer named Forrest Willard in college. These three would go on to create one of the biggest games of the last decade. Prior to that, and post-education, Bromander and Willard decided to give games development a go, and that's where they set up their company, Innersloth. So the developer launched their first game in January 2015. This game was called Dig to China. It launched on Android and iOS. There's actually, Innersloth have a free version available on iOS, so I did give it a go just to see what it is. And it's pretty basic. You tap the left or the right of the screen to direct this child that's in a digging contraption and they're borrowing <laughs> downwards. And then each day you upgrade your machine and you get further and further and blah, blah, blah. It Like, playing it now, it doesn't scream breakout hit, and it wasn't. But that was fine. Like, Bromander and Willard weren't expecting to have an Angry Birds on their hands. They just wanted to launch a game, and they did. They were expecting bigger things for Project 2, which was a game called Deityed, which was this twin-stick multiplayer game that they began production on in December 2015. And during this time, this is where they enlist the help of their artist friend, their old college friend, Amy Liu. And uh, I suppose uh, squeezing something else in here between 2008 and 2015, Bromander is releasing point-and-click games on Newgrounds. Uh, each game features the character called Henry Stickman. And each game was actually very popular on Newgrounds and the series garnered the attention of YouTubers like Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, Dan TDM. So in 2000, or um, 2020, excuse me, Innersloth actually remastered all those games that Bromander made for Newgrounds and they slapped them in, in something called the Henry Stickman Collection, which you can uh, get on Steam now. But back to Deityed. So that game goes through the Steam Greenlight process and it's greenlit in June 2016. So all great until... People actually played it and they weren't very fond of uh, what they were playing. They liked the look of it, but then not how it played. So the developer decided to make some changes and crack on. And then in October 2017, they said, eh, let's just put it in the bin. Uh, they said that the idea just wasn't strong enough. Their next idea, though, that would be strong enough. So Bromander had the idea of creating a video game version of social deduction game Mafia, which is known by mm. loads of names. It's, uh, Werewolves, Assassins, Secret Hitler. It's basically, you have a group of people and there's someone in that group that's trying to kill the others without being caught. 
the others then must find who that person is. Another inspiration when Bromander was thinking about this was uh, John Carpenter's 1982 film, The Thing. In November 2017, Inner Sloth gets to work on this game with the working title of Space Mafia before they eventually land on Among Us. And basically, they released it in June 2018 on mobile. And yeah, nobody cared. Nobody cared whatsoever. In fact, after launch, the game was getting somewhere between 30 and 50 players a day. I mean, that version was a bit different to the one you can play today for a couple of reasons, but most notably, it was local multiplayer only. I've heard Bromander in interviews describe the initial pitch as something more akin to Jackbox. So like everyone sitting on the couch together type of thing rather than, you know, playing Mm. scattered all around the world. The small community that they'd gathered really wanted online multiplayer, though. So Innerslot listened and ultimately released a PC version on Steam with online multiplayer in November 2018. More people cared, definitely. Uh, The game was able to pull in a few thousand players, uh, proving to be a bit of a quiet hit in both Korea and in some parts of South America. There was a Brazilian YouTuber called Godnot, uh, specifically, who covered the game, and that uh, got a few eyeballs on it in uh, in South America. However, in 2019, Innersloth almost pulled the plug. So speaking to Kotaku in September 2020, Forrest Willard said, quote, We stuck with Among Us a lot longer than we probably should have from a pure business standpoint. We tried to quit and should have quit several times. By May 2019, they reached 1 million downloads. So they did continue to pump resources into the game. They created more maps and tasks and the like. And in that Kotaku interview I mentioned, Bromander said this quote. I think we were fortunate enough to have enough savings to be able to coast while Among Us was not failing per se, but it wasn't selling that much. Then, on January 6th, 2020, Innersloth took to their blog to say they were stepping away from the game. Sad quote. Among Us has had a very good run. We thought it was a completed game twice in the past as we came back to add online multiplayer and two new maps. But as of the Polus map release, we're sure that Among Us is a complete game. There are always things that people want and things we could potentially add. But Among Us was always intended to be a small game and we're just a team of three people with one programmer. So because we've already added a lot to a small game, the difficulty of adding new features and content is now very high. You all can see this difficulty in terms of bugs that seemingly never get fixed. Adding more things would undoubtedly add more bugs. So from now on, we're not adding more to Among Us. And then they shut the game down and that was it? Bit of a sad story. No, of course not. (laughs) Then, if you weren't aware, a pandemic happened. Yeah. Um, Mm. Everyone was locked indoors and they turned their attention to a video game called Among Us. Mm. And the fortunes of Inner Sloth were changed forever. And that's where I'm going to stop this story right now because it almost feels like that's the game's true spiritual release date. And there's plenty to talk about with regards to the game's explosion in the marketing and press coverage section. So that's the story of Inner Sloth up until the release of Among Us. And brackets and a little bit afterwards, but you know, like <laughs> for all intents and purposes, it, the public didn't really get their eyeballs on it Among Us until mid-2020. So sales then. This is a tricky one. Every fortnight I come on. Sometimes I've sales, sometimes I don't, with games being a bit more cagey. Like, I can't tell you exact numbers, 
I do have some stats for you, courtesy of businessofapps.com. And by God, if you can't trust businessofapps.com, who can you trust? <laughs> so this is as of January 2023. Some of it estimated, some of it more concrete. So since the game's launch up until January of 2023, the game has generated $86 million in revenue. As of 2022, the game has been downloaded 530 million times. You know, it's free on iOS and Android, but still, it's Mm. it's quite the number. In November 2020, Among Us had 500 million monthly active players. (laughs) In October 2020, daily active users peaked at 60 million, playing it every day. And also during this period in October 2020, at one point, it had 3 million concurrent players. Good 3 million players at the same time. That's bonkers. It did launch on Switch in December 2020. And in its first month on Switch, it sold 3.2 million copies. Christ. And something a bit more recent, in May 2021, Among Us was a free game on the Epic Game Store. You know, their promotion every week uh, or every fortnight, whatever it is. During that weekend, after it was a free game on the Epic Game Store, the game had 2 million daily players on PC overall, on Epic and on Steam. And Innersloth said that over 15 million copies were claimed during that promotion alone. When you think (laughs) everyone had played it or at least had a copy of Among Us by that point, here are 15 million players to come along and snap it up even further. So, you know... Safe to say, it's done all right. Mm. It's done decently. It's done decently. The critical reception then of this one on PC, its Metacritic score is 85. And on Switch, its Metacritic score is 79. And its Open Critic score is 80. And that is your back of the box for Among Us. So what we're going to do now is take a quick little break where the listeners can... Get, uh, have, a, have a little bit of a listen of the first Among Us trailer where basically you'll get to hear the kind of the Among Us soundtrack because there's not much else in the trailer than that. So yeah, we'll be back in just a tick. Right then, let's chat about some of the marketing and press coverage around the release of Among Us and its 2020 release, sort of-ish. So not not actually an awful lot in terms of marketing that we have. Um, we've got a lot of other points to discuss with regards Among Us, but it's marketing, like from Inner Sloth itself, at least even around its release, fairly bare bones. Like I shared the very first trailer with you lads which was posted in on the 15th of June 2018 uh, a trailer for the the mobile version of the game and yeah as the people at home listened to they heard the music it's fairly standard it's just yeah showing you clips of the game yeah sort of explaining the rules in yeah it, it, it sort of like does the job in a fairly unsexy way it's a fine trailer yeah and the the trailer for the pc version was was basically the same but i've also in our document here put in a more recent trailer for you both to take a look at which was posted on the 9th of november 2021 i guess to show you 
the difference. Yeah. You know, when you have money, when you have success. And this was a fairly, if the people at home want to look at it, it's the Among Us Rolls and Cosmic Cubes update out now, emergency meeting number 33 trailer. This was, yeah, a big update, a big trailer. They have the like bespoke animations in there and it is yeah. obviously higher end. Of course it is. The Hollywood cash. Watching, watching that one, right? It made me think, I don't know if maybe there is, is there an Among Us cartoon? No. But it's just, um, it's, it's Bromander's, like, history, isn't it? He does all of the going back to the Stickman and the Newgrounds animation stuff. I think he that, that's very much his wheelhouse. So it lo- looks like it would be like a web cartoon, doesn't Basically. it? Basically. And there was a similar one for the trailer that was posted last December promoting the, the new mode, Hide and Seek. It almost makes sense that there would be an Among Us cartoon. Why Why wouldn't there be? Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad considering the popularity... The merchandise, everything that came from it, and how there was never like just a TV show that hit Netflix, like you know, like like how Cuphead exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it would be quite funny as well, trying to trying to think of any kind of story. Like it's funny, you know, we didn't do a story recap. The story is there's an imposter among us. I'd like I'd like to see what they try and do with a cartoon of it, just in, <laughs> just in terms yeah, yeah. of a plot. Like each episode is another round of Among Us. <laughs> They made a film about Mario. Correct. But yeah. <laughs> hey, that that's might not be a bad point. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, we do have a bit when it comes to, I guess, maybe some of the more press coverage or just uh, stuff like that. And one article here from Inner Sloth's blog posted on the 23rd of September 2020 titled The Future of Among Us. This was where they discussed Among Us 2. And I suppose it's important to note, so this is posted on late September. In mid-August, the 17th of August, on their blog, Inner Sloth said they were going to be making Among Us 2. And in this one, in the the, the blog, The Future of Among Us, they were announcing that they were cancelling Among Us 2. So yeah, here is a quote from from that blog. The main reason we are shooting for a sequel is because the code base of Among Us 1 is so outdated and not built to support adding so much new content. However, seeing how many people are enjoying Among Us 1 really makes us want to be able to support the game and take it to the next level. We have decided to cancel Among Us 2 and instead put all our focus into improving Among Us 1. All of the content we had planned for Among Us 2 will instead go into Among Us 1. This is probably the most difficult choice because it means going deep into the core code of the game and reworking several parts of it. We have lots of things planned and we're excited to bring new content to everyone as you continue to enjoy playing. And I mean, really, from their point of view, why would you, Yeah. in August of 2020, why would you go, yep, that's it for Among Us, let's move on to Among Us 2. <laughs> of course you're going to go, that's, we're on to a winner here. Like, yeah. why, why would we bother make a sequel? <laughs> Then on GameDeveloper.com, formerly Gamatsu, uh, there was an article posted in uh, September 2020 called Behind the Dizzying Ride to the Top for Among Us. And this was very interesting because it just basically breaks down how the game got so popular. A little bit, like I have a few articles here that kind of break down as best as possible how the game got popular. So in this article, it notes that programmer Forrest Willard went into the Discord, no, 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 not of Inner Sloth, but of a different developer <laughs> called Brace Yourself Games, who are the developer behind Crypt of the Necrodancer. Great game. Yeah, and in there, he shared like 
how the game blew up. So he first credited a bit of it to a Steam sale. So Willard said, quote, In February 2020, Steam reached out to us for a daily deal and we went for 50% off. If I remember rightly, each of those two days produced an entire month of sales and left us with a higher baseline of sales after as well as a boatload of wish lists. And in addition to that, Willard also attributed some of the success to streamers and the like. He said, quote, Yes, Twitch streams are the cause of our most recent spike. This started just after the Steam summer sale. And kind of, I do want to link it to another article here that was on PC Gamer called How Among Us Became So Wildly Popular. That was posted in November 2020. Ton of different stats in this. But there's one little section I, I did want to highlight via your voices, of course, Led. So, yeah, there was one section here and it says, quote. At the start of July, Among Us averaged just a couple of hundred viewers on Twitch. By the end of August, it averaged over a hundred thousand. Isn't that mind blowing? Absolutely ludicrous. You love to see it. But. Also kind of scary and weird, but I guess we'll get to that. A couple of interviews then here, and a lot of it does go more in depth, I guess, on the like the, the massive success that sort of came out of nowhere. So it was an article by Kotaku, I think I quoted from this earlier, posted on the 8th of September 2020, Among Us's improbable rise to the top of Twitch. And in that article, it mentions that in July 2020, Twitch streamer Soda Poppin, who, as of recording, has 8.8 million followers, they played the game. And that's when things started to explode for Inner Sloth. And that's what Forrest Willard, the programmer, says in the article. Uh, designer Marcus Bromander said, quote, It's interesting to watch it spread through communities. Like Soda Popping and XQC play it, and then they bring in one League of Legends streamer, and then suddenly a bunch of League of, League of Legends streamers are playing. And then they cross over into Hearthstone streamers and then a bunch of Hearthstone players are playing it. When you have a multiplayer game of, uh, well, when it started, was it eight players, I think was the max. So if I'm a big streamer and I bring in seven of my other streamers, they're bringing their audiences. And yeah, maybe they are a predominantly a Hearthstone player. Then they bring that to their, and it's just a kind of butterfly effect-ish. Yeah. Like it just, it spreads massively. Mm. Artist Amy Lou also said, quote, I've definitely started to try following streamers. I started asking friends that do watch a bunch of streamers like, hey, who do you recommend watching? And I have this list accumulating of people. Usually I'll go on Twitch and just kind of click someone, just see how they play. Seeing people's reaction has been really interesting. Definitely still trying to find someone specific to watch, but it's all been really interesting. I think, like, again, this is from September 2020. So it almost feels like we've some quotes from later on, but it feels like at this time they are kind of trying to wrap their heads around it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's nice to have the... um the kind of transparency, though, the, 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 the people at Innersloth obviously kind of know that, I mean, not just with the streamers and stuff, but with the pandemic uh, and kind of mm-hmm. admitting that. Because do you guys, do you remember when uh, Nintendo just sort of refused to admit that COVID had, like, the, there was like an earnings call about Animal Crossing and they were like, yeah, this has been the most uh, amazing Animal Crossing ever and we just can't figure out why. <laughs> like in the investors <laughs> call, they're like, no, just no one mentioned COVID. They're like, nope, it's got to be something about the game. Think better. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice to get a little, <laughs> little more transparency on this one. Well, funny you should mention that, Josh, because and I have a couple of clips from this. So in October 2020, Innersloth did a podcast on Newgrounds, actually. They kind of went back mm. to their roots. It was the Newgrounds podcast, number 27. And I've one clip here where Forrest Willard and Marcus Bromander are talking about whether or not COVID and the lockdown helps the success of the game. I'll play this for you. So the first voice is Willard and the second voice is Bromander. I definitely think it was a factor. We definitely were not a failure before COVID like really came in, but like the timing is just like, there's no way it was a coincidence. Like we definitely saw a lot more people like playing the game after the beginning of the year than before the beginning of the year. It's hard to split out like theoretically who would not play because they are not inside versus who would play it regardless of if they were locked inside or not. It is a little, yeah, because I guess you don't know. Hmm. Would little Johnny from Arkansas, would they have played among us (laughs) if they were in a lockdown? I don't know. I do think, like, obviously, it did help the game. Of course it did. I mean, it helped all games, really, didn't it? Yes. So, so it's not going to hurt. And it's a social game, which always helps it. You can play with eight other people, which is nice when you can't, you know, meet eight other people. Exactly. And I think your example of, of um, Animal Crossing stands to that as well. It's the social aspect of it. I have another clip here then, which is Amy Lou talking about brands jumping on the Among Us bandwagon and mentioning in tweets and stuff, oh, so-and-so is sus, or just using the the lingo. And in this clip, you'll also hear her talking about counterfeit merch. Yeah, you'll also hear a bit of Marcus Bromander talking about brands as well, and you'll hear the host jump in too. But this kind of goes back to what you were saying, Adam, about, you know, merch and the explosion of the game, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, here is Amy Lou talking about... Uh, yeah, about merch and about brands jumping on Among Us. It's crazy seeing like brands even use the word sus or just like, yeah. like people. And everyone's trying to hop on the bandwagon now. Yeah, mm-hmm. people immediately know what it references. It's kind of interesting to see like the vultures come out and they see a big meaty pie that they want a piece of. And we just we get bombarded with messages and like it's hard to it's hard to split out the sincere from the like money people i was just gonna say i'm sure you've also seen a lot of like counterfeit merch too oh yeah and that's that's something that i'm currently dealing with my merch team because like we we ended up releasing just like a statement where it's like hey like no no businesses should be selling among us stuff but i know there's like there's a lot of fans that are also making fan merch and a lot of it's been super cool um and we're just like hey like for now like please just like don't sell it like give us a chance to come up with some, something official but i know like there's definitely some huge websites or companies that are just like pumping out among us merch and we're like no we like we you haven't come to us like you haven't we haven't said yes or they have like we we said no and they're still doing it it's a weird fight to be in but we're we're, we're doing what we can. And again, I think it's worth remembering, like, this is such a small team at yeah, this yeah. point, even, you know? Fighting so many battles like that is basically three people with some support staff and you've got <laughs> legal battles chucked into the mix as well. Incredible. I, I think it's even in that podcast where they talk about, yeah, you know, you go down to your local market or something and there's mm. like a, among us slapped on a T-shirt and somebody selling it for 20 bucks or something. And you're going, mm. or even there's the battle of fan art. Like she, she mentions it there about... 
you don't want to discourage that with mm. a game like this. Of course, well, with any game, you don't want to discourage it, but like, especially a game like this where it's all about its online community. Yeah, for sure. And if you're bringing down the hammer, then people will be like, oh, well, I'll get my jollies elsewhere then if you're not being welcoming to me. So it's just a, a fine line to walk. Do it, but, you know, don't don't be selling it like hotcakes straight away before, we, before we've even had a chance to think. Then in June 2021... A YouTuber by the name of Anthony Padilla uh, put out a video called I Spent a Day with the Founders of Among Us and all all the main three parts of uh, Inner Sloth feature in this video but a clip I wanted to play was of Amy Lou talking with this Anthony Padilla guy about how burnt out she became when the team were just trying to capitalise on the game's popularity and get it to console as quick as they could. So, yeah, take a listen to this. Among Us going viral is just like, okay, like, this is my life. The pressure to get things done quickly was really high. You just kept going full throttle. Yeah, September to December. We're talking to, like, Xbox, PlayStation. They were going to try to get Among Us on, you know, these platforms, which usually takes, you know, many months, like half a year to a year most. And we're like, three months, we're going to try that. Mm. It's just like... Did you, like, feel burnt out during that period? I definitely burnt out after game awards we like we specifically were like we are going to take a break you uh-huh. get a holiday hallelujah it was tough because with during all of this like we weren't able to see friends and family so like when <laughs> oh that look good for youtube <laughs> <laughs> you look great um, <laughs> being so tired from working like I can't even go visit my family during COVID and mm-hmm. I had to spend holidays alone you're sitting here with all of this newfound success You don't even have that release of spending time with family. It was all work, 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 work. Yeah, that's that was definitely the hardest time. Again, I suppose it goes back a little bit to the previous clip about uh, you're trying to deal with these massive brands and you're also trying to bring your game to consoles and you're trying to deal with server issues, unexpected volume of players, and it's just overwhelming and just stressful on a whole other like level. Like Mm. it's. The, the popularity of that game growing so quickly and then having to just like have have like you can understand even like going back to like the March thing as well. Like, you know, that it sounds so small, but then for the, the size of their team, they, they're going to have to take in all this stuff at their like with just the size of the team that they are. And that's brutal. But then they're not going to like not do it either because it's like strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. You just got to go like, but. It's just your emotional state is just all over the shop, I'd imagine. It's also just an interesting test case when, you know, we, we sort of talk about um, a few weeks ago and we were all talking about gunpoint and, um, oh, help me out here with the fella's name, Tom... Tom Francis. Tom Francis, thank you very much. You know, and he was... To, and, and there's another very small team and a, and a pretty successful game, but, you know, not, not in the same league as Among Us um, yeah. in terms of its success. You know, and he was sort of talking about just the strain and the immense emotional pressure that was just on him when he, you know, he, he had what ultimately amounts to like a handful of people online just saying, hey, this doesn't work properly enough, paid money for your game. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to get the other end of the spectrum where, you know, you sort of think enormous success. Oh, well, that's okay. You can sort of chill out. And in fact, <laughs> listening to Amy Lou talk, it's like, well... How about the how about the stress that then happens with enormous success? It's like both wild ends of the spectrum, you know, small team, and that's just where that, that's just where the stress starts when they've 
already you know got half a billion people playing the game <laughs> it's unimaginable really yeah yeah on the visionaries podcast which was posted on the 27th of July 2022 so fast forwarding a little bit on uh, this video on YouTube called Inner Sloth's Co-Founder and How Among Us Nearly Got Cancelled. I mean, we've kind of covered that already. What I want to do is play a clip from this podcast of Marcus Bromander talking to the host, Jacob Wolf, about why Inner Sloth is independent and why they still remain independent. So the first voice is Bromander and then you'll hear the host, Wolf, chime in with a few more questions. So take a listen to this. I I, I feel like I can say that we have received offers and have turned them down. For me, I don't want to have someone above us kind of dictating what we should be doing, even if that may or may not happen. I just want to be able to do what we want to do and have control over that. And if you bring someone in, you lose a big element of that, I think. Did you guys ever raise investment? No. Considered raising investment more recently? Not full acquisition, but, you know, essentially going Series A, Series B. No, there's no reason to. (laughs) That just gets people involved that I don't want to deal with. And you know what? It's admirable, but, you know, it speaks to the position that they're in as well. And I don't think that should be lost. Mm. It made them so much money that they don't need investors. Like, what what would investors do yeah. only with 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 what Bromander saying? They kind of get in the way. Yeah, yeah. In fact, thinking about it now, it hasn't really occurred to me that this must be one of the wildest. All three members or three core members of Inner Sloth must all uh, must just all be multi multi millionaires. That's <laughs> for some reason that's only just occurred to me now. I, I would guess that that's true. Inner Sloth is it is more than three people now. It ha- it has expanded. However, I will say it's not expanded into a a Ubisoft team. Like I think as of like twelve months ago or so, I, and maybe it might be the same now. Like, I think it's under 20. Oh, blimey. It's still a small, tidy, close-knit team. Okay, yeah. Another clip I wanted to play, posted on the 19th of April, 2022. This is from the video, The Making of Among Us, from No Clip. So, uh, in this documentary, Forrest Willard spoke about the power that streamers have. And he goes into how overall it is a good thing for games, but he does acknowledge how Inner Sloth are in a good spot because they benefited from this. So it's it's quite a nuanced take on, I guess, the power that streamers have. So take a listen to this. More games are getting seen because there are more people to show off these games. Because before it was just, you know, does Steam like put you on the front page? You're a success or you're not. Now it's like, okay, you can potentially get something in the right hands of someone who, you know, if your game is good and interesting in the right way, like it changed Chain Reacts and Snowballs into getting onto Steam front page or something, right? right? But like at its core, it doesn't feel much different. You're still just like lucky or not, you know the people or not. It's kind of the same as it always has been, just, you know, more names and that's easily the biggest change is just before we didn't know anyone no one knew us and so you know it was all very natural now we know so many people like if we wanted to try and get promotion from nintendo or microsoft or whatever 
we can talk to Nintendo or Microsoft or whatever. Like if we, you know, at someone on Twitter, they might actually answer, right? All of these things that it's just super different. And that's, it's straight up unfair. Like the, the likelihood that if, you know, we make another game, it's going to fail is way lower because people will at least try it just because, hey, those are the people who made Among Us. I think there is a ton of self-awareness in that clip alone. Yeah, I do. Is he just saying, because partly he's, is he saying that they might answer because of who we are? Because it sounded like also he was just generally talking about social media and the various avenues that you have to reach out these days anyway. I would say yes, but at the same time, if, take Twitter as an example, mm. the Among Us Twitter account has, as he Googles quickly, it's something like, is it a million and a half huh. followers or something? Yeah, it is. One, 1. 1.5 million followers. Mm. And if they tweet Microsoft, anything. Mm. whatever it is or tweet Xbox or PlayStation or whatever mm. 100% they're going to tweet back mm. of course they are yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a luxury that they have that a similar indie game doesn't have it's weird with this sort of thing with streamers like streamers don't bother me I don't I don't watch streamers I you know I wish them well I don't I, I don't <laughs> moan about streamers I know a lot of people I, I am aware that I'm a game hack so you know i'm supposed to not like youtubers or whatever but i i don't bear them any ill will at all it, i do recognize that it's a, a both a wonderful thing and kind of a frightening thing that the uh the sort of fortunes i mean if your game's not good your game's not good so it, it doesn't matter either way you have to make you have to make a good game at the bottom at the end of the day but the idea that just this handful uh, well not more than a handful, but, you know, a select number of individuals can just wildly sway the successes of something is uh, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't know if I if I like disapprove or disagree. I, things only sort of start to get murky when you sort sort of start talking about, you know, to, to make, taking huge sums of money to promote something with, you know, with like with like. That's kind of a that's a reality of the business is that the majority of people who take in whatever, they watch the latest Zelda trailer, whatever. Yeah. So they're, they're in that much where they're like, oh, I can't wait for the new Zelda game and watching the new Zelda trailer. Mm. The majority of those people, they're not going to insert website here. Mm. They're going to a, a Twitch streamer yeah. or a YouTuber yeah. or whatever. Like, And those people have the biggest audience and the most invested audience. Mm. So that's why developers and publishers go... Here, you know, again, insert name here. Mm. Will you play my game? I will, but it's going to cost you X amount. Yeah. It is a little bit weird that like people go, oh, paid press. Oh, you paid for that review. Whereas they <laughs> don't do the same for YouTubers and streamers. I don't understand that when they are the ones that are getting paid. To and are, and are, you know, pretty open about it. It is it's a strange hypocrisy and it's effectively advertising. But, you know, I do sympathise with people uh, where it's just, uh, you know, Basingstoke comes to mind. Yeah. The game, not the place, but the place as well. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, well, we th we cast our fortunes to the Steam algorithm, really. And, uh, you know, we released the game and there was a werewolf dating sim at the number one spot and that was us gone kaput, you know. So I do sympathise with this idea of, well, actually, uh, that you know, there are, there are other ways to gain massive success, and that's that's not a bad thing. The only the only thing I can think of is like 
it might affect the shape of the industry in terms of the kinds of games that streamers stream. You know, will it start to favour party-style games, Battle Royale stuff, and then all of a sudden it's, oh, we're actually making games because we think they'll stream well. And that's potentially where you... But that's such a nebulous and difficult-to-untangle problem. And I ain't going to get anywhere with it here today. In some cases, people would say, is that a problem? Well, yeah, sure. Your big um, game we played a few weeks ago, like The Last of Us, like your Last of Us will still be made, Mm. but also perhaps your Among Us's and whatever else will also be played. Mm. Like there is a balancing act. And I think one that can live together. Fruitfully coexist. Like Adam, you, you read out the quote earlier just out of curiosity, had you ever heard of the name Soda Poppin or XQC? No, and I found it quite difficult to say him. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those. <laughs> I, I always find that the, the streaming world in general just like insanely daunting. It's just very daunting. And like, I have my one or two or three people that I might enjoy, like, and they might stream a game. And I'd be like, ah, yeah, I'd happily jump in and out of that, you know. But it's as soon as I like turn on Twitch for like, Hmm. 15 20 minutes and I just stroll go through all the channels and stuff and who's there and who's popular whatever it's 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 just so hyper it's so Mm. hyper but then I kind of think I'll I'll explain that a bit more in general with with our review of the game because you can see how among us would hype someone up (laughs) yeah you just do like like it's it's a part of like of gaming culture that like I just can't get my head around it's just too. It's just too much. They they stay in their office, or whatever, and they just they just they just on all the time mm. talking. Just just go go I'll go tell go you go. What, go I've got a lot of, of respect for it. I mean, it must be an absolutely an exhausting thing to do. That the, you know, just the sheer amount. You that never they switch stream. off. No, that's it. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's the business. That's their job. It's, yeah, I get exhausted just tuning in. It's ultimately different strokes for different folks. Yeah, completely. The people who are interested in reading a review on, you know, name your favourite website here versus your, the number one streamer, like they're two entirely different audiences. 100%. Yeah, the person yeah, yeah. who listens yeah. to Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo versus the person who listens to, I don't know, some bollocks on YouTube, whatever. Are you showing your cards here, Colin? I know you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, once again, probably... Covid, it just amplified it even oh, further. Yeah, yeah. It was a real, a real melting pot for sure. But it is nice that in this particular instance, it's helped out like a a, a really intriguing studio with only you know, well, three core members, but albeit now, uh, you know, but still below twenty. That really staggers me. So that is a discussion on the marketing and press coverage of Among Us and also just streamers and YouTubers and marker mode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are going to take a quick little break and then we're going to come back and tell you what we thought of Among Us. So yeah, we will be back right after this musical interlude. Right then, let's get into the review portion of Among Us. Uh, But just before we explain how we do things here, I want to know what your knowledge was of Among Us before you played the game for this podcast. And I'm going to guess, because we've been speaking about how it was everywhere, you're going to tell me you were aware. Adam Carroll. Well, I'm a big fan of Soda Poppin'. 
and <laughs> I was <laughs> you were no. right there on the ground floor I was right there he put it I was like there we go I'm in no um, look I think mainly it, it, it was the the art style of the characters I suppose like was really kind of like you would see that so much around the place and I was like whatever mm-hmm. and then I saw a screenshot and then I saw the name of the game I knew the general concept I guess of the game but I never went near it never ever went near it until now Okay Josh what about you big Among Us player right there with all the other streamers I think you were actually one of the first streamers to play weren't you? <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm partially responsible for Inner Slot's wealth now um, Yeah no I, I, I didn't play it I, uh, oh, by the way uh, does it go without saying that all three of us uh, had absolutely no idea in 2018 or 2019 right that's oh yeah, yeah. no okay. clue right. yeah. good yeah. stuff okay uh yeah n- didn't play it never played it uh didn't like the look of it frankly and still don't but um whenever i know this makes me sound like a dickhead but whenever there's like loads <laughs> of buzz about something like insane buzz and you can't get away from it kind of makes me feel like that same emotion when, when a song is overplayed and it was the same with breath of the wild it everyone just went so nutty on it. I just went, right, shut up. I'm not playing. Right, well, now I'm naturally not playing it unless you shut up. (laughs) And then, like, that's my strategy. Generally, what I do is I wait for everyone to shut up and then I quietly play it on my own and then I go... Yeah, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And that's, but I'm not anti, I'm not contrarian. I won't say I don't like something just because everyone does. I've never been that, but no, I, I dodged yeah. among us. It was too loud. <laughs> and actually, yeah, I, I looked, I remember the little stupid men, same as Fall Guys, and just went, ugh, no thanks. I'm good. I obviously knew of it when it was happening in the summer of 2020, but I also didn't play it. I actually didn't play it until it came to Game Pass in December 2021. And uh, previous life when when I was working for Rock Paper Shotgun and I was doing a podcast there called the PC Gaming Week Spot, and it was one of those weeks where oh, I needed I haven't played a game I haven't played a game I need to play a game for this week, <laughs> and I, I said oh Among Us is on it's just after launching on Game Pass, and I played it for I don't know an hour or something, hmm. and I was like okay I think I get this on I go, and what I've learned from playing it in the past two weeks is, nah, I didn't really get it. <laughs> like it, it, it needed a bit more than an hour. But I, I do think, uh, we've probably said this a couple of times now already, but like Among Us is a bit of a different beast for us because yeah. we're, we're all more or less coming in basically fresh without much slash, well, any knowledge really of what the game was like five years ago, <laughs> let alone even 12 months ago, really. Even in the last year, Ish, right? Inner Sloth has introduced XP. It's introduced a store for cosmetic items. Mm. It's introduced the, the hide and seek mode, which you mentioned earlier. It's introduced roles as well. Um, it's just a ton of different quality of life improvements. So like we don't really have anything to compare this game to, like with the game we played in the last two weeks versus, you know, what it was. And we're going to talk about all those things I mentioned there in a minute. But just before we do... If you look at the Among Us roadmap for 2023, there is stuff on there um, like they want to add more roles. They want to rework the quick chat to be easier to navigate. Mm. They want to improve matchmaking. And the biggest one of all is they plan to add a fifth map this year. And the reason I'm saying all of this is because one, 
I want to make it very clear, you know, even though it's obvious, I want to make it clear that we're talking about the game that we played in the last fortnight. (laughs) Because two, you know, we're recording this a bit in advance of the podcast release. So hopefully they haven't changed a ton between us recording and you (laughs) listening to this. But that is a possibility. They could, as soon as we finish recording, we could see Among Us, oh, a new map launched. Like it is a possibility. (laughs) But just so you, the listener... No. Often we are talking about a very, very complete game that is at least, you know, five years old, as old as 25, 30 years old, maybe in some cases. We are talking about a game that originally launched five years ago, but one that is constantly changing. So it's a bit different to any game we've discussed previously on on Stealth Boom Boom. Mm. For those of you who didn't play along at home, I'll try and explain what Among Us is. I mean, it's pretty simple, but Among Us is a 2D online multiplayer social deduction game, right? There are two modes. The first mode is your classic main mode. Here, anywhere between 4 and 15 players will drop into a space-themed map with the majority of players known as crewmates, and they are looking to complete very quick tasks. If they complete all their tasks, they win. The opposing team is made up of a crew called imposters. There can be between one to three imposters, all of which who are looking to kill the crewmates, and that's how the imposters win. And they must do all of that without being seen, obviously. And if they are seen, a meeting will be called where all the players are chatting to each other and the imposters must try and convince the other players, the crewmates, that they didn't kill anyone and that they're not the imposter. If they're chosen to be the imposter, a vote takes place. If they're chosen to be the imposter, they're uh, thrown out the airlock and the game stops for them. The other mode then is Hide and Seek, which I mentioned earlier was released in December of last year, 2022. And Hide and Seek is a lot more chaotic than the classic mode. I mean, it's as it sounds, it's hide and seek. There's one imposter and they're looking to go around and quickly kill everybody. The difference is that there's no social deduction whatsoever. The imposter even looks different to everyone else. They have big snarling teeth and, and whatnot. And they're often a bit faster than everyone too. They're kind of actually a bit predator like. But yeah, that is more or less what Among Us is, basically. So... Let's chat about our thoughts on the game then. And how we do this generally is we break it up into different sections. We first chat about the stealth of the game. Then we chat about the boom boom. Then we chat about the most noteworthy map, I guess, in Among Us's case. Uh, Then we chat about the story. That's going to be a long one. So strap in. And then we just do miscellaneous. (laughs) Just kind of clean up any other bits we want to chat about. So firstly, the stealth. I wanted to start us off because I wanted to highlight the wonderful tension in this game because rather than avoiding AI, you're avoiding humans. Again, something different to to anything we've had on, on Stealth Boom Boom previously. So again, in Among Us, you take on one of two roles, imposter or crewmate. There are other literal roles in the game. We'll talk about them later. I know you wanted to mention them, Adam, but those are the two different approaches in Among Us, Mm. crewmate or imposter. As a crewmate, you're trying to complete all your tasks and fish out the imposter, or you're trying to kill everyone without being seen as the imposter. And when you're this murdering imposter, you have to act very fast when you're actually killing somebody because human beings 
don't have, Chuck, I don't know if you know this, but human beings don't have detection meters, <laughs> at least visible ones, right? Like you don't have to wait for a human being to recognize that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing or that you're in a place that you shouldn't be. If somebody walks into a room, they see you standing near a dead body, they can immediately go, what the fuck? Call an emergency meeting and then rally the troops and go, I saw Josh there with the knife. You get this, here. You get this AI's a bit brutal, isn't it? <laughs> and, and like talk, talking about someone seeing you near a dead body, you're just really at risk in general because uh, I suppose we haven't said how the stealth works. And this is kind of a, uh, I've written down here. It's an interesting, I'm going to try and describe this as best as possible. <laughs> we often talk about, you know, a lot of games work off of line of sight and... I've written down here a circumference of sight system. I was excited to know your definition of this when I read this in the dark. <laughs> this sounds brilliant. What's he going to come out with? This is good. Strap in. What utter absolute wallop is going to come out of Colm's mouth? Well, let's see. So basically, when one of your opponents, comp- rivals, whatever you want to call them, the opposing team, when one of them walks into a general area... They can see what's happening in that general area. And you, you're the same as well. It's hard to put an exact distance uh, on the area that they can see, but your opponent is often able to see like a 360 view of their surroundings, which typically equates to a room. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm calling a circumference. Oh, I see. Like, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it is on a 2D plane. So you can see things that are happening behind you and to your left, to your right. And, sort of around you as such. And because humans, yeah, like the the human you're playing is looking at their screen, they see everything that's happening on screen. In fact, I think, do I? Yeah, I mean, the the non-imposters, the crewmates, I think might have one too many advantages over an imposter in Among Us. I know as the imposter, you can kill crewmates and they can't kill you. But like the fact that crewmates can call a meeting as quickly and as easily as they can, basically a button pops up on screen, they click that and they're in. Mm. Like, I don't know, it's, it's maybe something that would, I'm, pr- I'm probably going to say this like a lot, but uh, throughout the podcast, maybe it's something that would balance itself out over more sustained play of Among Us. Like I'm talking about a concentrated time yeah, playing the game here. Sure. Yeah, Like one yeah. advantage, and it's not, you know, the, the imposter has advantages as well. The one advantage is that they're able to use the, the vents and these allow you to get around parts of the map really quickly. So you can kill, hop an event and then try to get out of there as quick as possible. Like it's lightning fast using the, the vent system. But again, you do need to be careful because someone, you know, someone could see you. And it's that tension. Oh, I think it's bloody wonderful mm. when you're the imposter. Like it's real edge of the seat stuff as you, you know, you're, you're trying to survey an area to make sure that there's no one around there and you try and go in for the kill as quick as possible. <laughs> and, and, and like it is that, you know, the, I suppose that tension is there because yeah, the eyes you're, that you're trying to avoid are human eyes. Mm. Generally speaking, <laughs> humans are more perceptive than computer-controlled enemies. Now, they're, they're not infallible, and we will talk about the discussion phase in just a sec and how I think that that does benefit the imposter in certain ways. But yeah, like with you having to avoid actual human players, the tension feels... It, it, it just feels more 
you know, like I, I'm trying to avoid saying it feels quote unquote real because you're playing as these fucking red and blue and yellow <laughs> spaceman blobs. Yeah. But like the fact you're up against real players, it definitely does uh, add to the challenge. Yeah, it, it, I think so. I think so. It's, I mean, I sort of mean this in quite a good, I think it taps into what you were just saying there, Cullen, but I mean this in a good way, but it's, it's quite, it's stressful. You know, it's, you, yeah. you, it's a nervous place to be, which when you're the important, you know, when you're sort of, which is funny because you're, you know, you're the, you're, it, you are the empowered party and you're meant to be killing and you can't be killed and you can be, yeah, but you can't kill them. And yet, I don't know about you guys, but it, it can be absolutely nerve wracking. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's where the kind of balance of fear is. I think it's not particularly scary when you're the crew but i i i yeah i found and that is i think i i see where you're going there and i think i agree with you it's it's about the balance of power when you were talking about the fact that it's human ai it is thrilling and that that i know it's again sounds silly the word real but there is just this authenticity to it where you just think yeah, this yeah. If this was AI, I'd, I'd actually be quite pissed off. But because it's not AI, you know, it'd be a bit too good AI if it was. But yes. it, but it can also be erratic and it can be stupid. And you think, oh, the way that the way that character's moving is actually mental. And if that and if that was an NPC, I'd wonder what on earth is going on. But I know it's a person, so that's there is a, there's a wonderful. And I just want to bring this up. And it's a slight swerve, but it but it is relevant and it's a good shout out. Did you guys ever play? Grand Theft Auto, Liberty City Stories on the PSP. No, no, no. Oh, it's just wonderful stuff. It's just wonderful stuff. Okay, so that game was excellent. And I love the PSP and I love GTA. And shout out to Liberty City Stories. It was brilliant. It was really good multiplayer on that game. It was, I think it was technically because it predated 4. So I think it was the first multiplayer in Grand Theft Auto. Full stop. Fun fact, I think. Um, there was a mode called the hit list where there was 10 people and they were released into Liberty City, the entire map of Liberty City from GTA 3. One person was marked and the other seven people had to kill the person that was marked. The brilliant thing was that if you were marked, you the people that were hunting you they that they weren't marked in any way that they didn't have icons above their heads they just right. looked like so you'd end up in these wonderful situations where you're trying to <laughs> you're trying to kill the marked person <clears throat> and you spot them because they are marked and you're trying to like drive the car sensibly as though you are an NPC or if you get out you're trying to like tilt the analog stick just a little bit so you can walk along with the other little NPC pedestrians right up until the final moment where you can sort of pull out a shotgun all of a sudden and then inevitably they spot you you think you're doing a good job and they'll spot you at the last moment that that was this weirdly this was the the one thing that it reminded i haven't been reminded of that game in about 10 15 years but this was the one thing where i thought it reminds me of that having to pretend to be and not uh, you know oh i'm just doing the jobs like you guys are um so i'm sort yeah. of following that guy oh no i'm not really following you i just also happen to be going that way you know stay going about <laughs> your business everything's fine there is a little thrill there which is just raw uh joy and you just can't get that. It's a rare. It's a rare thing. It's a, like a brand new idea, and it's really exciting. I completely agree, Josh, with the kind of the paranoia side of it all. Because um, when you're trying to get your head around the game in general, when you know it's like, all right, this is what it is. But as we have stated, like you know, you're coming in after 
how long and you're starting for the first time so you're kind of going hi guys what's going on and you're like Jesus everyone's <laughs> off doing their thing but there was one particular round where I was kind of getting the hang of it all and I was like I think this this character's name was like Star Killer or something I don't know what I, and I was like <laughs> I just had a feeling I just had a feeling about this person because there was a, a dead body reported and then it was like I remember when it happened it was someone who I think was like a purple character and that purple character went by me died then when they went by me, they had like not so long, like a few seconds later, then Starkiller comes the other opposite direction past me. I was like, hi, where are you coming from? <laughs> and I was in the head going, I'm, 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 I'm on too, lad. So I was kind of like, you know, after him, then just kind of trying to play it cool, you know, I was like, oh, just doing our tasks, a bit, just doing our tasks. <laughs> and they do this whole thing where like, obviously the imposter can do the, pretend to do the task. He, like he went off into the room, did his thing. And I was like, no, I'm not. I don't know about this fella at all. So I was like, more just to meet there, lads. And everyone was like, what's up? And I was just like, Star Killer, I'm telling you, start this, this. get him out, get him out. And then he was just like, why? And I was just like, I tell you, no, don't you why me? Do you know what this? I'm doing my tasks. I was like, ah, you're not. I'm on to you. And then next, we go back around and no one boots him out. Someone else got booted out. No one was listening to me. I was like, well, all right, what's the point of this emergency meeting then? Anyway, off we go. <laughs> Oh, if we do our thing again, I'd stay on this guy then. And I was just like, and he could feel as well that he was just like, this, this red prick behind me is not going away. And you could sense the sheer frustration that was going on. Next one, anyway, I went, no, it is absolutely this guy. Because I couldn't, I just felt that the tests weren't coming out. So, merge meeting was held, not by me, but some of it. I went, for the love of God, lads, Star Killer is the imposter. Everyone, boom, 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 just went for because they were like this way. Star Killer is not the imposter. I was like, <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And I felt that moment of, like as you said, call them tension and just like the paranoia and having a, an idea and going, ah, it's definitely this person. And then it just completely backfiring when they're trying to honestly be like, but I am actually not the imposter and I am doing mm-hmm. anything. That's superb. That was superb. Did it happen every time I played the game? Fortunately not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myself and Josh were focusing on the stealth as the imposter, but you were saying, yeah, you can also use stealth as a crewmate while you're trying to keep track of somebody who you think is the imposter. Yeah, like it's an, it's, it's an absolute given, like being the imposter and it being the most fun all the time nearly, for, for the most part anyway, um, because it is just you and you are out there to act the maggot. And it's like you do feel that overwhelming tension of trying to like a console. It's all, it's, I think everyone who plays the game would probably say the imposter is the best, but having those moments that are in the crew section that you feel like, like they are in the imposter area, it, it's just, it's, it's magic. It feels fantastic. But like, I think I was a handful of times the imposter, let's say. And I felt like every time I got the crew, I was a bit like, oh, do you know, I was like, I want to be the imposter. Come on. <laughs> the other part then, of being an imposter and yeah like I put this in the stealth section it is stealth it's just kind of it's not traditional stealth in a gameplay Mm. sense but I do think the discussion phase does definitely fit in here and yes in particular when you're playing as the imposter because uh, so I guess as we said when somebody sees a dead body they'll often call for an emergency meeting 
And as I said a while ago, that's just an on-screen prompt. And when somebody, when they press on the on-screen prompt, it brings you into a window where you can chat to your fellow astronaut lads. And typically, when this comes up, the chat is spammed with where, 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 who, 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 where, 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 (laughs) as everyone's just trying to get to what happened. And this is where being the imposter can just be terrific crack. Yeah, yeah. While I was playing it, I was thinking, this is kind of like, and come with me on this journey, please. It's kind of like the recovery phase of a stealth game where you have been spotted, but not by everyone. So if you can get rid of the person that spotted you, Bingo, bango, jobs are good and you're incognito, James Bond again. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It is a recovery mode. Yeah, that's good stuff, that. The joy of this is that there's no real tactic, <laughs> in a sense, that that works or doesn't work. Like, it is game by game. So, like, as soon as a meeting is called, maybe uh, you can go on the offensive and start trying to convince people you saw the accuser <laughs> kill a particular player. Or you can claim complete ignorance and you can be like, come here, I was way over on the other side of the map, uh, you know, and you can sort of be cool and calm or you can be really frantic and, you know, like Adam was. And it was Starkiller, I know it was Starkiller. <laughs> like, uh, I, I loved these parts of the matches when I was the imposter, especially when you know, like, you are absolutely grabbed by the ghoulies, <laughs> but somehow you managed to wriggle your way out. Yeah. I have to say this, um, you know, Again, having played a lot of this game in a very, like just over a two week period. So maybe it it would be worse over time. But I thought the chat was generally quite good. Mm. Like, I don't know if I got lucky or whatever, but I mostly found people who were just trying to play the game. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it's true. Me too. Yeah, no real arseholes or abuse or just people who are just being silly. Yeah, like actually just focused on it and properly doing it properly. I, I got that as well. Maybe if we had been playing it since 2020, we would come, we'd go, oh no, well actually it's terrible and there's tons of <laughs> nasty, horrible tirades that people go, I don't know, I don't know. But it's just in the time that I played the game, it was more people trying to figure out why is this emergency meeting being called and trying to kick out somebody else. And generally, if you're playing in a group, I found, and like, I'm just talking about playing with randos and like, you know, you go play again and in the chat will be GG, GG, GG. Like it, 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 again, seemed to me to have a fairly good community playing it. I know you you also enjoyed the kind of stealthy spy-like aspect of the discussion phase, Josh. Yeah, for sure. It was like that, the idea of the, of the it sounds dumb to say, but the human AI, it's just other players, but you know what I mean. That and the and deceiving people uh, through, the te- through the text chat, I did think that was like a, it felt to me like a new exciting thing. Uh, I don't know if, it, I'm sure there are other games that have done this. I'm sure I'm ignorant of, of predecessor games, but um, it was just, it's that's it's kind of like the Hitman thing of just wearing different clothes. It is sort of social deception in an ingenious way against actual people. And I love that thing about the recovery phase because that is 100% what it is when you've actually been... <laughs> You've actually been rumbled. It is brilliant. Uh, my thing was always picking a specific person and just aggressively going, <laughs> going after them. <laughs> that, was, that was my chief tactic. Um, and I just, as that was happening, I just felt that's, that is new. That is something that's new. And 
it belongs on weirdly it belongs on stealth boom boom in a completely different way it is it's unlike any game that we've that we've talked about um and so it, it for those t- two things i thought yeah i'd, I'd I'm uh, I'm vibing with this. Down here, Adam, you've written that you you couldn't get your head around the social side of it. Do, do you mean the discussion phase of it? It's a weird one because uh, I feel like the 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 discussion phase is is excellent, as you have both said. I totally agree with that, right? But the thing here is, I wish I played this on PC or laptop. Do you know what? Sorry to cut across you, but we haven't actually told people where we played this game because I do think it does change your opinion on it probably a little bit. So I played it predominantly on PC where you can just type in your keyboard and the discussion phase. I also played a little bit on Xbox where that's much harder and you have to do, you have to use the quick chat wheel, which to to very quickly explain that to somebody, it is, it's a radial wheel that comes up. There are like eight top options. And then when you click into them, there are sub options underneath and it's too complicated to use. Whereas on PC, I really enjoyed, like, because it was just lightning quick. You're able to type out your message mm, yeah. and, and, you're, and you're done. So is that, is that what you mean, Adam? This is it, yeah. Because, like, I played it on PlayStation and I played it on my phone. And I moved, like, I, I got the phone first. I was like, ah, yeah, I play a lot more of this game when I'm on the go or whatever like that. And I felt that, like, overall, I just didn't like how it, felt to control yeah, in general yeah. but when the discussion came up it was actually a lot easier to do it than it was in the playstation because the playstation was the chat box which is just disgusting <laughs> everyone's after answering already and then you're like the last person, last person who just goes blue and you're like you know everyone's there going yeah we know like nice one like so you're kind of like so behind it felt all the time but on the phone it was fine but this felt like the discussion phase was it was designed for the PC and you can see why because you can open up way more banter when I was doing the Star Killer well, the Star Killer the hero of the of the day let's say but <laughs> when I was playing that particular round and we were doing that discussion phase like he or she was very like it's not me I'm doing the task whatever and I could see that they were like were on the PC and like I was there and I, I was there answering back going no you weren't. But it took me ages to write that on the next station, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I was like, oh, I'm missing out on some great crack here. <laughs> so I felt like it should have been on the PC, but that's not to, like, discredit, what, like, what, how good the, um, that discussion phase uh, actually is. But what I will say that's utter rubbish, like, completely rubbish, is the, the wheel text chat stuff. Because I have a list of quick chat options here in front of me. So <laughs> okay. there are seven, I think, different, like, headings right there's accusation crew systems location statements question response and then when you click into that even take accusation right here here there's so many it's a so a and a and b can be replaced with you can choose like what person the game will allow you to choose uh, uh one of the players that you're playing with so it's a was chasing b a saw b vent a is suspicious a kill b a might be b a shapeshifted into B. A is B. A didn't report the body. Vote A. A is lying. A never saw B vent. A is good. A didn't kill B. Man. A is not B. Don't vote A. A is telling the truth. A wasn't chasing B. And it's like, it's so cumbersome and so awkward to use. And yeah. with this game being cross-play, now I think you can turn that off. You can just play with people on yeah, your system. You can, yeah. But yeah. when you're playing cross-play, 
I, I think, and you're on a console or whatever, you're 100% at a disadvantage over a um, PC player or somebody on the phone. Like, they even give you the option to, like, they like within those wheels, they'll actually have, like, the name of every player in that particular match mm. to also pick. So sometimes I would, I, I was trying to get the hang of it, and then I was kind of like, oh, I can't remember who am I actually trying to, like, call out. When, when you're getting to know the, the ropes of it, it's and it's going at such a speed... You're just a bit like, well, I just don't know if I'm doing this well at all at all. <laughs> I had a problem on the other end, but I chose not to hold it against Among Us because it's not their fault. But my problem was just controls on mobile shit. Ah, it's awful. The movement is awful. Yeah, it's just the movement. But I, I, I mean, I played GTA 3 on a mobile before and like for my sins Christ knows why <laughs> and uh, you know it's that thing where the analogue stick pops up and it's never going to be the one but um, I was sort of running oddly around corners and into tables every now and again because the way that the analogue stick is sort of the way it works yes. on which did you get that as well like, I just couldn't quite go in a straight line it just feels like they're really floaty or going up in an angle and getting caught in like corners that's why I went no I'll just pick it up on the Playstation now and That'll sort that out. But then I had the chat problem. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's going on? That is what we thought of the stealth of Among Us. So we're going to take a quick little break and then we will be back to talk about the boom boom. All right, then let us chat about the boom boom of Among Us, which is generally just the other gameplay elements of the game. And in Among Us... Even though, yes, as you outlined, Adam, there is some stealth to being a crewmate as well. The majority, I guess, of the other aspects of the game do come from uh, being a crewmate. And one of those aspects I want to talk about were the tasks. And I think it's fair to say that the tasks aren't great per se, right? (laughs) But I'm going to tell you why that's generally okay. Generally, right? So. As mentioned, when you're a crewmate, you begin each map with a number of different tasks that you have to complete. If every crewmate completes their tasks, then you'll, before the imposters kill the crewmates, then you'll win. But these tasks take, God, I don't know, seconds, like five to ten seconds, maybe. Even ten seconds might be generous with some of them. But to try and describe them to people who haven't played, these tasks are things like, for example, there's one where you're looking at four coloured wires on the left and four other coloured wires on the right, and you must connect them, basically, just by dragging them to the corresponding colour. There's another task where you must take guns from one place and just walk them over to another place and put them in the exact right spot. I'm trying to pick tasks from different maps because they do vary. Uh, some some are the same, some vary on map to map. Uh, another one that comes to mind is where you take a card out of a wallet and you swipe it along a card reader. That's my favourite one, that one. I know the, the tasks are rubbish, but that one is funny. Could you... I- I kept messing it up. I get, yeah, so did I. It was brilliant. I thought, are they? I honestly thought I was, I didn't know what was happening. It was like too fast, too slow. You actually have to do it at just the right speed. I thought that was kind of genius. That, that's just a few. Like there are, there are quite a lot. And like some have multiple stages as well. Like that wiring one I mentioned that often requires you to go to like two or three different locations in order to complete mm, it. Yeah. And look, right, none of that sounds 
terribly exciting because it isn't. <laughs> There's one, I think it's on pole on the Polis map, but maybe I'm wrong, where you drag a bin liner out of a bin. <laughs> it's not the height of video game entertainment in all caps. <laughs> I don't think it's meant to be no. really. Like these are these are menial tasks. They're just chores really in order. And I tell you what. There is an art to menial tasks in games, and I do like the way that the... this Again, this is another deep cut, but I promise it's relevant. <laughs> Did you guys ever play uh, Zombie U? Yeah, yes, it's a long time ago, yeah. but yeah. Well, I thought, whatever else you make of that game, I quite like that game. But one of the things that was great about that game was it was one of the few games to use the Wii U gamepad like in a in a good and interesting way. And the whole thing was it would be like <laughs> you, you you're at a door and you have to fiddle with the wiring on the door to get this door to open. And you're doing that on the gamepad. So you're looking down at the gamepad to try to to do this thing. Yes. But then you have to look up at the television because the zombies are coming at you and there's this lovely tension between the, and it was like one of the two or three things that game did marvelously well. It was a good it's a good game zombie you. But anyway, it reminded me of that. You sort of these tasks they're menial enough so that they're sort of they're, they're nothing much but Every now and again, there's that level of stress. It's like, fuck, I swiped the card too fast. And like, <laughs> you, you got the pressure of like, also trying to keep an eye on the people around. Difficult thing to get right, I feel. And do you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because yes, in Zombie U, you're looking down at the gamepad, but you're trying to look up at the television. Like, that's kind of the real positive of these tasks because... It's not a gamepad you have, but what they do is these tasks are obscuring the majority of the screen when you're doing them. So in other words, it it makes it far more difficult Mm. uh, in these instances for a crewmate to see what an imposter is up to. An imposter could kill, run in, kill whoever you're next to, run off, and you mightn't see them or you might sort of see them, but you're not 100% (laughs) sure, you know? So like tasks do serve both types of players in a sense because if you complete all of them as the crewmates you win but they serve the imposter because while crewmates are doing these tasks it allows the imposter to do what they need to and not need to worry as much about being seen so I know I said non-imposters I think maybe have a few more advantages I do think like tasks go some of the way to like trying to level the playing yeah, field yeah for sure. another thing for sure. I know that we, we only alluded to earlier were the roles in the game. And I know that was something you you quite enjoyed. Or there was one I think you enjoyed more than the others, Adam. Yeah, um, like I didn't go really deep with with the roles, but like, because I only actually kind of <laughs> discovered them like after a fair few rounds. I was like, what's the roles thing about? And I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, and it just happened when I picked the engineer one, I was like, okay, so what, I can hide in vents. And he goes, oh, I can do what the imposter does. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I think you can only be in the event for like, Oh, how many yeah, seconds? I don't know exactly, thing, but um, yeah. there's there's obviously the risk mm. to it, like because if someone sees you come out of the vent, they're going to be like, "You're the imposter," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." I'm the... <laughs> so, like, I, I I think it's it's another smart addition to add once again to the tension and all that stuff. But I actually don't really know much about the other roles. Did, have, have any of you gone near them? You know, it's potluck really in terms of how often you play it, how often these things are served up. In some games, people might have roles turned off. The host might have roles turned off. But yeah, there are a number of them. And I thought the engineer was the most useful. Like, I do think a lot of them are a bit surplus to requirements. Like, there is the guardian angel 
role. Oh, where they can like protect someone for a little bit, can't they? Yes. Yeah. If you're if you get the guardian angel role when you're dead, because when you're dead, you're not uh, you're not kicked out of the game. You act as a ghost, so you can just go around the map. Nobody can see you, but you can also protect another player. Mm. Now there was one instance where I was the imposter, and it was very late on in the game that was quite a good end to it actually I'd even forgotten this happened and I went up to a guy tried to kill them and there was like a shing like a shield and I was like oh what and it was because somebody was their guardian angel and had protected them that's good so that that's one like yeah there is the engineer obviously as we said there's the shapeshifter mm. where if you get the shapeshifter role you're able to transform into another player so you can make it look like I could transform into Josh and I could kill somebody else. Adam, you could see me and you could go, oh, Josh is the imposter. <laughs> Josh would be like, no, I wasn't. That wasn't me. And I'd be like, oh, Josh, <laughs> killing people again. Yeah, there's also the, um, the, like, the scientist can just, like, check everyone's vitals. Yes. Did you go, so, like, if someone's just been killed recently, they can see the little heartbeat thing. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're interesting foibles. Some of them make, like, nice little bits of chaos. That shapeshifter one's pretty pretty brilliant stuff but um it was always one of those things where it was just like oh oh i'm that oh i'm that oh okay cool but it, it didn't <laughs> that, that sounds really weird it didn't really have like a massive impact to me maybe because maybe they're randomly assigned you can never really uh oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna main that role and get good in that role it, you know it's yeah. not really although again it does go back to your point of like We've played this in a fairly focused way for two weeks. Maybe if we'd been playing for Christ knows how long, we'd be great at all the roles in different ways. So. Yeah, and I mean, there. I think I mentioned this in the roadmap. They mentioned that they want to bring in more roles because there's even, I don't know if you got this, but I went into a game and just by chance, I think my role was a vampire. And oh. I was like, excuse me? What? <laughs> and because I, I, I didn't know, and I looked it up afterwards, there's a, a popular mod called The Other Roles, and it's just tons of roles that people have created, <laughs> and they've all different oh, that's cool. um, properties and abilities. And, like, again, I think that happened to me maybe twice. So I, I, I can't speak to the, the quality of it, or even really if the game you know at some point do you introduce too many roles but i do think with the base roles that are there i think a lot of them are like fine like i think the shapeshifter and the engineer like i was the 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 scientist and like uh, on a couple of occasions and i can't say i used it all that much it doesn't actually help all that much as well it depends on the situation depends on that particular match but often it's just like oh they're dead (laughs) Um, one thing we haven't spoken about yet is the hide and seek mode which is the other part of among us and i wanted to mention it just because it, it is so different to the classic mode and it is you know the epitome of boom boom i suppose in many ways because it just goes from naught to 60 in milliseconds yeah. <laughs> versus the build-up of a, of a classic mode. Mm. Because as I mentioned earlier, in hide-and-seek, you know who the imposter is. It's the one um, um, spaceman that has like big snarling teeth and, is, uh, and it's just everyone is so frantic. People running everywhere trying to get uh, hiding spots. And being the imposter here is a bit of fun, at least in the, the lobbies I was in. Um, like, yeah, the imposter was lightning quick. And I think I said this earlier, but... 
it is sort of like a, a predator mode in a sense because you can track people down with this kind of inbuilt sonar yeah, thing yeah. when you're the when you're the the imposter yeah. like I, I don't know I, I've written down here it is a fleeting enjoyment and and it is mm-hmm. like I don't know for definite of course but this feels like the buffer game mode that Among Us players get a round in after a long session of playing the game it's like a palate cleanser sure. in a sense yeah, yeah, definitely. and then you're back to the main game and look that's not a problem you know that's, that's perfectly fine we've we like we've spoken about games on here and we've barely even addressed certain modes <laughs> like I on the last yeah. episode I honestly can't remember if we spoke about The Last of Us as factions multiplayer I don't think we did but you had a little play on that didn't you against some, some I, <laughs> I did and I was de- like it was impossible <laughs> to play like that's one thing I will say about Among Us very quickly is that yes it was like oh I'm trying to get into it and it was it was a bit hard at first but like once you're in you're like okay I know I know it's, what's happening like yeah. you can even now still pick it up and 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 have yeah, a go, for sure. you know. But I, I guess I, I just wanted to mention hide and seek because it did leave some bit of an impression, even if it wasn't maybe the longest lasting one. It was, it was all right. Like I don't know how. Like how did you enjoy it, Josh? Did you play much of it? I felt similarly. I did have a few, and you're absolutely bang on with the sort of palette clear. It felt like a oh, just do a hide and seek one, you know, sort of like yeah. it reminded me of it now. I always mix up the name of this one. Is it Dead by Daylight, which is the one where you're the slasher movie villain and you just got to go after the people and kill them? You know, you're like Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger. You're Friday the 13th. That whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's like the alien isolation scenario. You're you're the sort of big bad. It it was a little bit like Zonico, the Monaco thing. I just, I played it for a little bit and I just went, oh yeah, and there's also that, but I'm going to go back to the main thing now. I I don't know. it, it It didn't really grab me. What I will say though, it's funny that I've just mentioned Monaco because it reminded me of that so much. The act of killing someone is is quite brilliant in Among Us. That is what is that's one of my favourite little bits about it that I was going to say, and I just mean like the way that you turn someone into a little half body stump with a little bit of bone sticking out. It reminded me of the um, the shot. Could you guys remember the shotgun in Monaco where they're oh, like, "Do I?" <laughs> <laughs> instantly a skeleton i just kind of thought like stuff it's a small thing but it's like the signature mechanic or one of the signature mechanics of the game the act of killing someone and it's inherently pleasing and satisfying and makes a good little noise and i was just like that's good that's important stuff like that's important and i love the little cartoon bone that sticks out very um very internet cartoon so yeah that's what we thought of the boom boom so let's discuss the map that stood out to us, the most noteworthy map in the game, as we said off the top, we have four to choose from while we were playing it. Whenever you're listening to this, maybe you have a fifth one. I don't know. <laughs> I think we've all gone for the same one. What, are, Adam, are you the same as myself and Josh? Yeah, I kind of didn't really pick one because nothing really <laughs> stood out to me that much. I felt like it was just all fine to me, but I do think the ones the one you picked was. Uh, I was like, yeah, probably that one. All right, yeah. Well, yeah, the the one we've gone for, Josh, the Skeld. If you know anything about um, Among Us, or if you've seen any Among Us, you have seen the Skeld. Yeah, for sure, and I would say with good reason. It's not the sexiest. Like, I really like Polis. I do think that's because, like, uh, in the one of the documentaries that you. Uh, link through on the dock for us there was the no clip one which i watched and 
I got a, I got the little recognition buzz there because uh, the Bromander was talking about uh, the thing, the John Carpenter movie, the thing, and so like to look yeah. at uh polis was like oh that's yeah it's like cabins in the snow like that's that's obviously like really cool visually but i think the thing is with the skeld it just has the best layout it's just nailed the the sort of quadrant layout with with the little interconnecting loops um it just seems to lend itself to among us the best for my it's the way it's sort of circuitous it like feels like it never stops there's no well there's very rarely any jagged up stop then go back down movements or left stop then go back right movements it all sort of flows in the scale so nicely um in a way that i sort of didn't really feel with the other maps it it, it's sort of um it's a good multiplayer map there are little uh segments and nuggets of it that bury themselves in your brain and you start to you get that click where you don't have to look at the map because you start to sort of you can sort of do it in your it do it in your head which i didn't didn't quite have with the other maps but visually maybe not the sexiest but what did you think Colin? i 100 percent agree like the polis map is essentially the supercharged version of the skeleton yeah, yeah. And I, I'd understand if somebody said they preferred it. Like it's, it's a bit. Well, it's it's quite a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe has more involved tasks. Like the general shape of it is similar. You can go around clockwise or anti-clockwise around the map, and there are probably more pathways in the middle too. But I think they just nailed it with the first mm. one. And I, I just, <laughs> I will echo everything you said. Like you're never in a dead end yes. on the scale. Yes. You, you can't really get lost it just does its job so well like you start in the the middle top of the map let's call it in the spaceship canteen and then you can go uh, yeah you can go clockwise around it you can go anti-clockwise uh, uh, like it's it's large enough and compact enough <laughs> yeah like yeah, there's yeah. even the pathway that cuts down the middle uh cuts the, the ship in half like it is among us. You look at it; that is among us, and it also, I think, is is the best. It's just the best map. And I, again, this could be because I've been playing it for a fortnight rather than two years. Yeah, sure. Maybe the complexities of Polis, or or I tell you what, one I didn't like was that Mirror HQ. Did you Did you guys play? Mi- Mirror is an interesting one because Mirror is sort of unlike the other ones in that you know it's total dead end. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It looks cool visually. They look. It's weird with these maps. They're, they're such interesting, like visual palette cleanses. But it's a really good test case for like the design of a multiplayer map is all about the layout, and the visual stuff is is always second. Because even Airship for me, which is the most recent map that w- we played, the fourth map, like I find Airship way too complicated. Then mm, yes, with yeah. its platforms that you have to get on that take you to another area of the map that are closed off waiting exactly like Like, i I think the simplicity of the skeld is it just it produces better matches yeah maybe there's core among us devoted to uh calling us fools right now because we've only been playing for a couple of weeks and we don't understand the genius of the airship and fair enough to be honest you know if you've been playing this game for five years then uh yeah i'm sure the airship will be a an intricate relief for you. So yeah, that's what we thought about the Boom Boom and uh, the most noteworthy map that stood out to us. So we are going to take a quick little break and then get ready because we are going to be talking about the story and anything else we have to add on Among Us. So we'll be back right after this. 
Right then, let's get into, I don't know, does anyone have anything to say about the store? I mean, like, you know, there's an imposter <laughs> among us. I, I Look, I, I will say I enjoy the simplicity of it. Similar a bit to Basingstoke. I just enjoyed it was like, yeah, you know, escape Basingstoke. Here it's, there's an imposter among us. Get him. And there's some weird stuff going on with, uh, with I guess you'd call it story, but why, who are these? Why don't they have arms? I mean, what's, yeah, what, what are what's, they? What, what's going on? Are they little beans? And, and what, what are those backpacks? I guess they're not breathing. I guess the ship doesn't produce oxygen. They're, were they in hazmat suits or is that their eye? Why have they got one massive bone that's their entire skeleton? <laughs> you know, I don't, who knows the answers to these questions? Marcus Bromander, I guess, but yeah. I wonder, like maybe I should have mentioned this earlier, but do you think the cosmetics hinder the game a little bit? There, there is a clutter to the visual purity of it, I found. Yeah. Because often, you know, it's I saw red killing brown or whatever mm. but like maybe red is wearing you know uh, jeans and a white top or something and it, it, it just it, i don't know it, it obscures oh, yeah i think so for sure it does have a it's got well it's, it does actually have like whatever you make of the look of the thing if you like it or you don't it does it does have a very um like on paper objectively good visual theme. It reminds me of like that game Mastermind where you have the little coloured things that you have to slot, not the TV show, the, you know, the game with the coloured beads. Uh, it was like that. It's like, it's like visually readable uh, and it kind of helps yeah. you. But yeah, when people start having these crazy, you know, Jebediah Springfield, like raccoon hats on and little, like, and it just like, wait, what? what, what? It, it, yeah. well, do, do you know what? It's kind of moved on to the miscellaneous bit. Josh, you have written down that you hate the look of this game. Do tell. It's weird, isn't it? I know, because I've just said that it's like, it's good, for, I'm sure it's good from a design standpoint, like it makes sense and it's readable and clear. I just really don't like, um, I wrote down in the notes, mini clip. Do you guys remember miniclip.com? Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Oh, yes. It was all about both, because Newgrounds and miniclip were like yin and yak. Those were the two sites you went on. Um, anyway, but, Loads of those kinds of things, those internet uh, cartoons of the, of the 2000s, all the sort of David Firth stuff and all the rest of it. Like, it's that sort of s- simple, like, MS Paint style thing. And I'm, I don't want to slag anyone off. I like, you know, Bromander and, and Amy, I think Amy Lou did a lot of the art as well. And like, you know, fair play to them. What the hell do I know? But just to look at and stuff, I just, it just turns me off. It was, it really was one of the reasons, along with the buzz, that I just went, nah, I'm good. I'm good. It just looked rubbish. I just look at these little bean people and I just think, no, oh, fuck off. No, thanks. <laughs> but that's an irrational. Uh, I got the same thing from that. What's it? Who's your flop? Four guys. And in fact, actually, they look about mm. the same. There's more bean people there. Maybe I just don't like beans. I just look at it and I go, ugh, no. Which is weird because, like, show me Kirby and I'm in love with Kirby. I think Kirby's brilliant and he's a little beanie blob. So I don't know what's going on with my tastes. But, yeah, just to look at it, I just... Ugh. Is it that Flash-style animation? Yes. And, like, you mentioned Miniclip, which... 
to people who are listening who don't remember miniclip. Basically, when you were in computer class in school, you could go on miniclip and like play quick snooker and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But is that the... I think you've nailed it. There is a little bit of that cheapness. Again, I'm always aware of sounding like an arsehole calling it cheap. You know, I'm, I'm sure it was made on a low budget and there's nothing wrong with a low budget. It, but visually it's not also the font isn't very nice it's just like the whole nope. thing of the game is just visually not a nice place to be really makes you appreciate like sexy ui and ux like even if something's mm-hmm. functional it's like yeah okay it's functional and readable it's done its job but i don't know like ui and ux very is- much agree what you're saying josh i, I thought the same it, it never really Never really blew me away at all in visual oh, I'm glad. I thought I was being a bit irrational there. I'm glad that you also feel that way. I thought, oh, I'm going to be a grumpy idiot. <laughs> no, no, I'm the exact... I just... Everything felt a bit, like, odd. But then at the same time, its art style is now kind of pretty much iconic. But I'm with Janet. It's one of those things that, like, I genuinely do think for some reason it's why I never went near it for a long time. Yeah. I just yeah. kind of went, nah, it doesn't look like my kind of thing at all. Uh, yeah, I, I'm the same. It's it, When I looked at it, I don't know, I'm kind of reaching for a word. The only one I can find is it looked a bit childish to me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying like, Jesus, like if every game, again, was the one we spoke about a fortnight ago, if every game looked like The Last of Us and Lord knows, PlayStation try and make every game look like The Last of Us, like it just becomes boring and I don't want everything to be hyper-realistic and whatever else. I'm not saying that at all. But there was just something about Among Us when I saw it that I was like, this isn't for me and that's that's fine. And I'm not saying, you know, I've, I've played it and, you know, I, I, there are some things that are, some things that aren't. We'll give our ratings at the end, blah, blah, blah. It's not a deal breaker. It's like, it's like me with goblins, you know? If stuff's got goblins in it, I just think, oh. But, <laughs> but I will admit <laughs> The Witcher 3 is a brilliant game. I know that's true and I can get past the goblins. So I'm not slagging them up. I don't like the Among Us look. Sue me, you know. I did still play it. It's got some good stuff. Down here as well, you do say you do like the, we mentioned the game a few times, the, the Monaco style lighting. I keep bloody bringing Monaco. That game, Monaco's, Monaco's great. Go and play Monaco, everyone. Um, yeah, I, and isn't it weird? There was another game that we were talking, was it Gunpoint? No, it wouldn't have been Gunpoint because that was too deep. I think, deep. are you reaching for Basingstoke? Because what was funny was in Monaco, they have that thing where you can't see, you see from an elevated perspective, but in order to make put you in your character's shoes, you can't see what your character wouldn't be able to see. Thus, around a corner is rendered as just blackness. So, and, and then, well, yeah, yeah, it's that thing. I do like to see that. Although I note that in Among Us, it's not 100%. Like, you can actually still see. They just sort of dust it over with a bit of shadow, a little bit of artful shadow. You can't see very well. But yeah, I just kind of like that effect. I just think it's a good effect. It's not mechanically used here in the way that it is in Monaco that properly made it an active mechanic here it's just like a visual style thing and it was one of the only things visually well that and the map design for Polis where I just thought that's cool oh I'm digging that Adam you have down here that you would like more music in Among Us. Where is my fire starter my operation blade <laughs> where are all those banging tunes like, like seriously though like it's the most baffling thing did you I, I don't know if you felt it but I, from the word go like I felt like there was something wrong <laughs> the game would start and I'd be like Jesus there's no 
There's nothing. Like, and what's mad about it is, like, the, the, the kind of reference to John Carpenter's The Thing, it's kind of interesting that they didn't even go so far to go, like, not a, not a rip-off of, like, a dum-dum. Oh, not, like, that man, kind of thing. But, that. like, yeah. how there wasn't even, like, just a mm. pulse going on throughout it. It is just nothing. It's an interesting point, that, that. You know what? That didn't occur to me, weirdly. But now that you're saying it, it does make I do think, oh, yeah, that was a weird thing. But is it maybe it's telling that it didn't occur to me in real time? Like when I was playing it, it felt fine. But now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, actually, that is a little bit funny. It kind of like grated me, like how there was no music whatsoever in the matches. Now, I'd like to hear a person's like argument to it or whatever in, in the sense of like, oh, but if they had music, they probably would have used it and like, oh, enemies coming close, the music is getting louder. Like, or do they just play? So, like, how do you get the right music, I guess, also then to like, not sound super repetitive or super mm. annoying, mm-hmm. annoying when when the matches are always going to be the same thing. You've got four maps. Do you want to really be hearing that one continuous tune? <laughs> no, probably not. Which is why something simple like a pulse every now and then. Or I think that's that fair. thing idea is killer. That's a great idea. I'd love them to borrow something like that. What well, did that occur to you, Colin, with the music? Do you know what? It occurred to me once I played the hide and seek mode. Because oh, the hide and seek yeah. mode does have music. Oh yeah, shit, it does. I wanted to play a little clip of it here for the people at home. So that so you, what you're going to hear is the track kind of straight. I've edited it slightly to give you a bit of the build up and a bit of like when it kicks in. But in hide and seek mode, the music is used to tell you when the enemy is is near. It couldn't do that in the main game because if it did, then well you know who the imposter is. So you obviously can't do that. Take a listen to this. So this is the music that you hear in Hide and Seek. I love that MIDI file sounding distorted guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Production on it is rotten. Oh, I mean, do you, re- do you remember, did you ever use that, um, what was it called? Cakewalk. Do you remember Cakewalk, Adam? I do. It was, oh my God. you were able to create your own MIDI files that basically sounded like crazy frog ringtones. <laughs> it sounds bad, but I, I don't know, there's something I also quite enjoy about mm. it. <laughs> But at the same time, yeah, you couldn't have that in the main no, game just no. for, for to- tonally. Yeah. But it does, like, for the listener who hasn't played it, it'll be kind of like muffled and it'll get louder and louder and clearer and clearer when the imposter is near. So it serves a purpose in that. However, I do still agree with you, Adam, that I think, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, some sort of a pulse or... Because yeah. there, there, there's no benefit per se to not having music because you can't hear footsteps or you That's can't it, like so it's just every single game when it started it would just immediately stand out that would be the first thought that would come into my head is the music there's nothing it's just so weird after so so much time and so much content going out like I, i'd love to just just basically hear why they didn't do it yeah mm. and I think that's pretty much it unless anyone else has anything else to add uh no, no. 
Excellent. That is what we thought of Among Us. So we are going to come back and tell you, give us, give you uh, our final verdict on Among Us. But before that, we must play a little game called Who Am I? Every episode of the Stealth Boom Boom podcast sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-host with a simple game I like to call Who Am I? I give five clues to the identity of a video game character and you, Josh Wise, and you, Adam Karen, must give me the correct answer. All you have to do is say stop and then give me said answer. Given the nature of this podcast, the video game character in question will be from a stealth slash stealthy video game and I will not listen to any complaints from either participants if they have a problem with the character I have chosen. You get the clues once and once only, so listen up. And listen up good. Let us play Who Am I? Clue number one. My first appearance in a video game was in 2016. 2016, as the kids say. (laughs) Clue number two. Throughout the years, many people have said, quote, I'm a lover, not a fighter. End quote. I'm not sure if I'd say that about myself. I suppose a better quote that sums me up would be, I'm a talker, not a fighter. Hmm. What on earth is this? You can you can take a stab if you want. You can take a stab. Um, Clue number three. In truth, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I do like to remind you of that in case you ever forget. What? I wouldn't be here if it be What? Clue number four. I do love a song. Oh, I do love a song. <laughs> if you need someone to play you a tune, I'm your guy. I have no ruddy clue what this is. If you need someone to play you a tune. And clue number five. Seriously, though, all joking aside. Has anyone seen my wife? What? Okay, so to go to the clues again quickly. <laughs> clue number one. My first appearance in a video game was in 2016. Clue number two. Throughout the years, many people have said I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not sure if I'd say that about myself. I suppose a better quote that sums me up would be I'm a talker, not a fighter. Clue number three. In truth, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I like to remind you of that in case you forget. Clue number four. I do love a song. Oh, I do love a song. If you need someone to play you a tune, I'm your guy. And clue number five. Seriously, though, has anyone seen my wife? Any takers, guys? This is nuts. I, yeah, I've got no clue on this one. It's, it's not, it's not your man. It's not DS Khan, but is it DS Khan? No. Was it? Stop. Josh Wise. Emily from Dishonored Two. No, because she was in the first game. Incorrect. Oh, 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 oh! Hang on. Stop. 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 Josh Wise. Is it Nathan Drake from Uncharted Four? Incorrect. I'm going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons, right, as a last-ditch effort. (laughs) So, seriously, fingers on the buzzers here now, lads, all right? This is a character from a game we have spoken about. Holy smokes. Oh, my goodness. Five. Four. (gasps) What games have you... Three. I'm now drawing blanks on what games we've spoken about. One. Why is that Cooper not leaving my mind? (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm calling it there. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. The character I was looking for was Tilo 
from Ghost of a Tale. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, it all makes So sense. to go through the clues, oh. my first appearance in a video game was in 2016. So that I was thinking that might throw you off. So Ghost of a Tale launched, fully launched in 2018, but it was in Steam Early Access for two years. Mm. Um, so it, it technically was 2016. Yeah. Clue number two, throughout the years, many people have said I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not sure if I'd say the same about myself. I suppose a better quote sums me up would be I'm a talker, not a fighter, because there isn't much combat in Ghost of a Tale. You talk to the guards. Um, clue number three, in truth, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I like to remind you of that in case you forget, because every time you boot up the game, you get the message about the Indiegogo campaign. Clue number four, I do love a song. Oh, I do love a song. If you need someone to play you a tune, I'm your guy. I thought that might give it away. Tilo is a minstrel in the game and you play a number of different songs in it. And clue number five, seriously though, has anyone seen my wife? Because that's what you're doing the whole game, lads. You're chatting to people about where the wife is. Unlucky, lads. Unlucky. I never want to be the victim. I always want one of you to get it. So next time so yeah let's take a quick little break and then we will be back to give you our final verdict on Among Us so yes this is the part of the show where we summarise our thoughts on Among Us and we give you the the final verdict as it were but before that I have a couple of reviews for you that people did of Among Us. I was going to, uh, typically what I say here is around the time of release, but not for Among Us. No, no, no. Because as I said, nobody cared about this when it came out. Um, so all of these reviews are from around mid 2020, when this game got popular. <laughs> First review is from Liana Hafer from IGN, who gave it nine out of 10. And said, quote, Among Us uh, successfully transfers the devious gameplay of in-person cloak and dagger games to video game form. Murder and deception on a whimsical cartoony spaceship is so much fun that the only real question is, what took it so long to catch on? Another review here from the inimitable PJ O'Reilly of Nintendo Life gave it 8 out of 10 and said, quote, Among Us is an instantly accessible and super addictive casual gaming experience that serves up some hilarious whodunit hijinks in short bursts that are perfectly suited to portable play. Andrew Penny of The Gamer gave it 4 out of 5 and said, quote, at the end of the day, who you play with dictates how fun the game is. That said, you will lose all of your friends playing this game. Learning how to become a compelling liar is necessary to winning as the imposter, and something that means showing a side of yourself that others haven't seen before. Daniel Winter of Game Grin gave it 9.5 out of 10 and said, quote, accessible enough for everybody. Among Us coaxes out everyone's inner psychopath and Sherlock. With short addictive bursts of gameplay that's long enough to satiate, the sleeper hit has slash will become a staple in your games library and gaming nights to come. And finally, Liana Rupert of Game Informer gave it 8.5 out of 10 and said, quote, Among Us is what it is and unapologetically so. This year may be bad, but having fun experiences definitely isn't Among Us provides a much needed reprieve from reality without taking itself too seriously but mother of god how many times do I need to tell you all those opinions don't matter don't matter at all the only opinions that matter are Adam's Josh's and mine as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Among Us so how this works is that each of us will give Among Us a rating and that rating is either a pass a play or an espionage explosion So a pass, we don't think you should play this game. A play, we think you should play this game. Or an espionage explosion, we really think you should play this game. One, two, three. All rationale for ratings is entirely up to whomever is bestowing 
the badge of approval slash disapproval. So let's give our final ratings for Among Us. And something we started doing on the last edition of Stealth Boom Boom, and by right, we probably should have been doing it from the start, but we are now going to basically alternate who goes first. We're going to kind of like, so for example, it was always Adam, Josh and me. Last week it was Josh, me, Adam, and this week it's going to be me, Adam, Josh, and it's going to be like kind of rotate like Mm -hmm. that, basically. So I'm starting, and you know what? It's a hard one. This game does have positives. It does have negatives. And some of those positives, I think, are, are great. Like, just to, to dwell on those for just, just a moment. Like we mentioned, the, you know, battling the human element. And that's something that we haven't done on Stealth Boom Boom before. And it's such a... I think this game really nails that, what it's going for. Um. But there are, uh, and like, you know, the discussion phase, and as I said, it's like the recovery part of a stealth game. But there are certainly kind of negatives or not so positives as well, I should say. Like, I think some of the, uh, a decent amount of the roles are redundant. The hide and seek mode is is fine, ultimately. And I genuinely had no idea where I was going to land on this. Because I don't know if in a month's time, let's say, will I be playing Among Us again? If I was to take a guess, probably not. But a lot of that then is down to the fact that like how I play games. Like I don't really dive into multiplayer games. It's not my thing, uh, you know, as such. Yeah. But does that then discount the time that I had with Among Us? Like I don't think so. And that is why I have landed on a play. I've, I, I really enjoyed parts of this, surprisingly so. Like I mentioned, I played this previously for like an hour or something when it came to Game Pass and I was like, eh, not for me. And when I went back to play it and like really I was like, well, this is the next game and Stealth Boom Boom, so I really have to play it. I was like, I was a bit harsh. I was quite a bit harsh actually. And I I am glad I did play it. So yeah, I am giving it a play. So Adam, what say you? Pass, play or espionage explosion? Um, I'm in the exact same boat of like having like a major unsurety of where this is going to land for me and I think I was glad to experience the game and understand its whole concept and stuff like that however it's just not my thing it's just not my thing and I kind of felt that it was going to be this I was hoping I was going to be like oh no I got this it's a lot of fun and I can see it it's just it goes too quick. I don't like how it kind of all lays itself out there. And even though it's so, it's so straightforward, I just don't really, I don't find a whole pile of satisfaction out of it or entertainment. Maybe it'd be different if I was playing it with all people I knew. Maybe that's it. But I don't find enjoyment of these types of um, online games with random people. I just don't. It's not my kind of thing. Uh, which is why I just, for me, it's a pass. I don't really have a massive care for it. That's just where I sit with us. Josh Wise, what say you, pass, play, or espionage explosion? I think uh, for Among Us, I am going to go for a pass. There are things in it which I recognise uh, are sort of clever and new and sort of were like maybe worth some attention and you know and if you're interested in among us go out and have a couple of games you know it's free on mobile see what you think but for me 
it's uh, I'm absolutely uninterested in ever playing it again. Uh, I don't like the art. It's not a pleasant place to be. Um, it's it's throwaway in both the good sense of that word and also the sense that it just doesn't really stick to my brain and make me particularly want to play on. Nothing, nothing about it appeals every time. Like the thought of playing it again, I'm just nah. Hmm. Nah, I'm good. It's a total preference thing. It's a really funny one. This I, th- I like having spoken about lots of its mechanics and stuff, and sort of thinking wanting to do. It's not that I've not done my due diligence. It's just I think I feel very strong. I feel very similar to Adam. I just I sort of feel like it just doesn't grab me. Doesn't make me want to play more. I think, Cullum, I think your point's really good. You know, does that invalidate? Will I be playing it next week? No, for all sorts of reasons, you know. Does that invalidate the time I've already had with it? Uh, no, I don't think it does. It doesn't It doesn't invalidate that time, and I can recognise the things that it does that are clever. It's just that I don't find those things are interesting. And also, lots of the cleverness uh, does just come down to implementation. You know, fundamentally, this is just mafia or werewolf. or it's. It wasn't really a... Vi- it's been put into a video game, and that's great, and its implementation is great. But it has... As much as someone just said, hey, do you want to have a game of tag? I'd go, uh, not really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, 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 as much as about that, really. And I'm sorry if I've just done a very poor job of expressing myself. I think Adam nailed it before me. But it's a pass from me, I think. So that is Among Us done. Forget about <laughs> it. Whether you want to play it for the following weeks or not, you can't. Because we need to move on, all right? Because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom... We're going to be talking about a game that Greg Kasavin of GameSpot called, quote, a genuinely original game of tactics, planning and precision. Trent C. Ward of IGN said, quote, action fans probably aren't going to like it. There's an awful lot of sitting around waiting for the right moment to act. And someone, because it's not, their name isn't there, at Computer and Video Games said, quote, if you want a refreshing change to the glut of football, quake and driving sims flooding the PC at the moment, this game is the easy choice to satisfy your needs. We're turning back the clock again to what many deem the year Stealth burst onto the scene 1998. Because on the next edition of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting commandos behind enemy lines. These are your soldiers. The best men among the commander's force. They are trained to perform all kinds of special actions behind enemy lines. They can drive and operate anything on air, land or sea. And they can use any kind of weapon to finish a quiet job. Meet smart enemies that act on what they see, hear and feel. With the aid of multiple tracking cameras, and a graphic engine based on a fully 3D world. Unique, ingeniously designed missions and a gameplay that combines clever strategy and furious action leads to a new approach in strategy games, real-time tactics. 
they are just a few men. They are ready to change history. And you are in charge. Back to the year of stealth once again, 1998. To commandos behind enemy lines, unlike Tenshu, unlike Metal Gear Solid, unlike Thief, this game is very much its own thing. Firstly, what I do normally after announcing what we're going to be talking about, I do like, you know, just getting a little teaser off off you both. Have either of you played Commandos Behind Enemy Lines before? Adam, have you played it? I have. Um, are you, are you not, sure? <laughs> I was actually thinking of a breakfast cereal because... Excuse me? Like, what? Breakfast cereal? <laughs> um, because I had... Receive. I am actually quite hungry right now, if I'm honest. But uh, I had received uh, a demo disc for P- a PC demo disc that used to go out in quite a lot of oh Kellogg's breakfast cereal boxes back in the day, right? So the demo disc would be in the front, and uh, I don't know how they got away with it, but anyway, Commandos was one of the demos on this disc. So I went home and put it into my father's Packard Bell PC and. <laughs> Off we go and probably gave him a tin viruses on top of it with the bloody thing. But anyway, we got through we got through a little bit of commandos and we had a little time for ourselves. Interesting. Interesting. Josh Wise, what about you? Any any cereal exploits? No cereal. I, I I like you know, I do like cereal. Uh, but I was una- I was unaware uh, that there was a demo scene in the cereal scene. Uh, that's quite exciting. Um no, I I'm aware of this game. Growing up I had uh well, I still do indeed have an older brother uh who uh played lots of Amiga. We had an Amiga growing up and these sorts of things always were very, very cool. And like we played, like well, I watched him play a lot of cannon fodder and stuff like that, where it's sort of that overhead tactical. I used to love that stuff when I was a kid. Heard of this game, aware of the reputation of it, kind of excited to jump in. Heard it's very difficult, so we'll see. Yes, correct. And I say that as somebody who hasn't played Commandos. Perhaps I played a tiny chunk of Behind Enemy Lines to capture it for a video for work, I think. But generally speaking, no, I'm, I'm coming in blind. So equal parts excited and terrified uh, to play Commandos <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines. So I know we said Basingstoke was the first game that none of us could finish. Oh. I think Commandos Behind Enemy Lines might be the second the one. Gore, the gauntlet's thrown down. We will see. Uh, so yes, get that played if you want to play along. It'll only cost you a couple of bucks on Steam. I'm sure it's quite yeah, cheap yeah. now and generally anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's for uh, the podcast in a fortnight. But for now... That's it for this episode. If you liked this episode of Stealth Boom Boom, please do subscribe to the podcast via all your podcatching apps, and then you'll never miss an episode. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Pocket Cast, whatever your podcast platform of choice, we're there, search for us. And yeah, subscribe, and then you'll never miss an episode. Also, I don't say this enough, please do review us on your podcast platform of choice as well. Because that does genuinely help with the the algorithm and all that stuff. So yeah, get us reviewed. That would be great. Thank you very much. You can also follow Stealth Boom Boom on social media at Stealth Boom Boom. And you can follow all of us as well. I am at Cullum underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes. And Josh is at Joshy Weiss. 
But now it is time for my least favourite part of the show because I just enjoy chatting to you so goddamn much. <laughs> but at some stage, we have to pull the plug. Now it is time to bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Josh Wise. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Colin Mahern. Sloan, go forth.